They hear your voice. They see the highs, lows, the things that you're really passionate about, things that are maybe a bit more lighthearted. I, I know that I get a lot more when I listen to someone than when I read their writing. Hello, welcome to this season of podcasts on why podcasting is perfect for leaders. Now, so far in this season, we've heard from people mostly like me, who provide services and support of various kinds to people wanting to communicate using podcasts. But what about those people, the users, the leaders using podcasts as a leadership tool? Cyrus Hosseini is the Global Head of Statistics and Decision Sciences at Janssen Pharmaceuticals. He is also a member of an industry-wide consortium of statistical leaders who, in 2021, approached talking leaders to discuss the idea of using podcasts to encourage statisticians to go beyond being the numbers person when working as part of a multidisciplinary drug development team and to use their thinking and leadership skills more broadly. Cyrus was also a member of the expert panel that we worked with to produce a programme of podcasts now deployed across the top tier of pharmaceutical companies worldwide and receiving very positive feedback. He's also an avid podcast listener, but this project was Cyrus's first time on the other side of the microphone, so to speak, and it was great to hear how he found the whole experience. He started us off with an overview of what the consortium was seeking to do. We set out to put a training program together where we can pass on the, the experience that they have, we have built throughout our career in leadership, in influencing skills, and really help the statisticians within our industry increase their influence and the positive impact that they can have on drug development. So as part of that project, uh, we were fortunate enough to work with you to, instead of have printed publications to share our knowledge, to have actually a podcast series where we can speak about our experience, the lessons, the failures, which are very important and successes. And that was what the project was all about. And I think it's been very well received. And just to describe it a little bit more, I mean, you identified, was it 15 different individuals of high caliber and, 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 and sort of relevant significant experience working as statisticians in, in the various companies that are in the consortium? It, this is very much what we're talking leaders we call a wisdom capture project where, I mean, that's what we were about, wasn't it? It was trying to capture the experience and, and, and wisdom. That, and as, as we like to say, the kind of stuff that you can't really just put down on PowerPoint slides or, as you said, in, in written documents. Um, it's the nous, the know-how that comes particularly from listening to people telling stories about what they actually did. We had the raw interviews, if you like, with the individuals who talked with me about what they'd done, and we explored all the various aspects of it. And then we did four 
summary episodes, one with each of the members of the the uh, steering committee for this project, where I selected clips and uh, I met with you all separately and we talked through what the key messages were that were coming through from the the interviews. And then we also did uh, an introductory episode where steering committee and I sat together and, and then we talked about the, the series as a whole. And then these podcasts were made available. They're, they're available privately uh, via the Talking Leaders website, but also every consortium member was able to take files and download them and use them as they wanted internally. Before we get on to a little bit more about, about the actual process, I mean, had you, Cyrus, had any experience previously of using audio podcasting as, as a leadership tool, as a training tool in your, in your work? Yeah, the only experience I had prior to that was as a consumer of podcasts and listening to them that I found them very helpful. But working with you and the consortium members, that was my first experience in actually be as part of being the provider of information and uh, participating in the recordings, the, uh, the whole process that we went through. And the thing that was really interesting to me was you just uh, touched upon it wasn't like four or five senior leaders talking. We identified uh, high potential, high caliber colleagues within our groups that are much closer to the staff that they can connect with them and they participated as well. So it was a wonderful experience and uh, I learned it all. I, I think I learned a lot myself. Right. Well, let's, maybe let's, let's stay on that a bit more then. I mean, how did you find the overall process? Do you got any expectations? And if so, how did they measure up? The thing that was an, an eye-opener for me was, you know, I hold large meetings. I present before an audience of 500,000 people. No problem. It's live. But putting yourself in that position where you don't have a live audience and you're actually going through recording, like it pretty much was a one-on-one -on -one discussion with you. And just making that transition to make it real, to make it comfortable, it was not easy for me. It was a new experience for me. The other piece with respect to the content that I learned a lot, just listening to my colleagues, reminding me of the experiences that I had gone through that I had forgotten about. It was like a refresher for me that, ah, you know, this is the tool that I need to use and I still use it and I just need to be much more cognizant. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting that because I think I think all your your fellow steering committee members said the same thing, I and mean, you're all still get involved. I know with projects to a certain degree, but but you're not frontline statisticians anymore. You've you've reached a level of seniority where you're sort of more managing and overseeing and advising. But it was that was interesting, and I've had that before where people say it's uh, it's great to actually hear. Um, people sharing their their experiences. So I described what the basic output was uh, there. So it was it was five sort of summary episodes, and then people could go and listen to the the, the main episodes, which were much longer. But how have you used the the output since you've 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 got it in Janssen? We took a couple of steps. First, I shared it with 
the leadership of our organization. I really wanted to get their input. Do they see value in it? Do they have any recommendations on how we can use the material and make it available to the staff? That did a couple of things. Number one, they had great ideas how to sequence the communications to the staff. Uh, It was very easy just to send one communication out with a link to all the uh, material. But what we did, we had an overall communication coming up attractions. There's a whole series of material and leadership influence and skills that will be made available to you. We provided some background and kind of increased the anticipation and they knew the cadence and the frequency that there will be a new episode that will be made available. It's like people are waiting for, I don't know if they have in the UK or not, Ted Lasso, Mm. next episode. So that generated some anticipation. And as it was promised, we released one episode after another episode to the organization. The uptake was really good, and I received a good deal of feedback from the staff level, private emails to me, Cyrus, it was good to hear from such and such on the following topic, this resonates with me. I think the reception was really good, and that's how we implemented it. And the the second thing that it did it really got my leadership team engaged in it. So they didn't feel like I am doing their job. They actually became the the main force promoting and some employed it in their staff meetings. Mm. So it almost felt like from the people for the people, the way that should be done. Mm. So it was very powerful. Yeah, no, and I like the way you, you describe it. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we say about these things that what we're creating is is a learning resource, and and it's it's there for people to pick up and then and then use them themselves. You can just put them out. Uh, I think what I liked about what you did, and and some of your your uh, your your colleagues, your counterparts in other pharma did a similar thing, is that you didn't just dump it out and say, "Here it is." And they expected it would have this this amazing impact, and everybody suddenly the organisation would be transformed. Because, uh, of course, the thing is, your email is not the only email that people are receiving with with information that they could look at. So, you really do have to work to to catch people's attention, and it and it is actually very similar to promoting material in the sort of entertainment space. You have to build expectation. You have to keep uh, re-energizing and refreshing the message. One thing I'd, I'd like to know a bit more about: you said some of your your management team used the, the the podcasts in staff meetings. How did they do that? What what was what did that involve? So they each hold their own departmental meetings. Sometimes it's just with their project leads. Sometimes it's with everyone. They just manage to have maybe a 20-minute agenda item just to discuss the learnings, feedback, or in the context of the project review, refer to the training that this is very similar to the episode that we heard about. How can we use it or did you use it? So they made it real. It was not an 
abstract exercise in just theoretical acts of leadership or influencing skills. So they, they made it really real so people can connect with and see the value of it. The thing that they really liked a lot, the feedback that I got was, it was not a polished presentation of story of success. It was, it had humility in it, acknowledgement of mistakes that are extremely valuable. We learn a lot more from mistakes than successes. Yeah. Anyone who has ever played golf knows that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just people connected with it. And that's how they used it uh, in their staff meetings. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I mean, I, I'm glad you picked out that. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I agree with you entirely. It's one of the things certainly as an interviewer I focus on with people is, is just don't tell me about the successes. Tell me about um, some of the, the things that didn't work out so well. And what did you what did you learn from that? And and uh, and that can be really important um, learning. Because um, the other thing as well um, is that it's great that you rolled it out and, and people would learn learn from it uh, as as it emerged. But I mean, it's long lived this stuff. I mean, the kind of things that we were talking about, the situations that we asked people to talk about, are, are sort of perennial, aren't they? I mean, because you, you chose four different scenarios, and and we used those as the basis to interview the. The, uh, the top performers that you had identified. And the four things that you chose are perennial. They're, go they're going to come up year after year after year. So that's the other thing about this material is that it's going to be there for a while. It's going to sit on, on, on the shelves and uh, virtual shelves, so to speak, and, and, and be available. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because as, as time goes on, of course, it'll, it'll fade from memory. How are, you, how are you going to be able to sort of say, don't forget if you have a situation like this that comes up, there are, there are podcasts out there that might be able to help you. Because I think that's certainly my experience of these kind of things is that's where some of the best examples of, of this kind of thing really helping is when someone says, oh, you know, I've got this this particular situation. Maybe, they, maybe they're going to have a meeting with the regulatory authorities and they've never been before and they don't know what to expect. And then they go and listen to something like this and it, and it really uh, sort of equips them better. I mean, how are you going to be able to, to make sure that people know that that's there so that they can turn to it when they need it? So I would imagine that that's going to take place at two different levels. The ones who have already listened to the podcast, I would think that just like the podcast that I listen myself, the ones that I find really valuable, I save them because I know that few months later, I need to go back and listen to it again because I don't remember everything. A refresher is good, but that's my go-to. I would imagine that people are going to gravitate to the ones that they connect to. They know it's there. They're going to go back for refresher, especially the younger generation. That's how they communicate. That's, that's their norm. Second level of engagement is as part of our onboarding program, when we have new hires, we'll make it available to them as well. We have a whole, I would say, package for onboarding that has many scientific components, organizational components. This will be one of them as well, that we bring it to the new hire's attention and our managers will bring it to their attention as well because we have a very formalized uh, onboarding program for all the 
new hires, regardless of their level of experience, of course. So that's how we're going to make sure that everyone who joins the organization is at least aware of this. And we would encourage them as part of onboarding to listen to the podcast. But I think the part that's really important is people are saving the ones that are most useful to them and they go back for refresher on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking further on, that's how you use them. That's how you rolled them out. Any evidence of benefits arising? I mean, have you been able to to, to, to measure in any way the sort of positive impact that, that the, the podcasts have made? So we have not systematically gone forward and asked the statisticians, for instance, are you using the skills? Did you find it useful? What we're measuring is the impact. And when, and the, the feedback that I find most useful is through our partners, project leaders, specifically on say clinical side, they're the project owners. And it's quite often that workplace, I get stopped by yet another therapeutic area leader just to say uh, how pleased they are with the level of engagement, the leadership that members of the organization, my organization are showing. And these are some of the, I would say, most demanding leaders in the organization that other functions actually express their uh, sometimes their comments and their concerns that they're so demanding, they're never satisfied. So it's really nice when they stop you and say, hey, I just wanted you to know that the statistician that you have that in a different time zone in London, working with us in the East Coast of the United States, she's just amazing. The way that she gets engaged, the way that she asks questions with clear intentions of, I'm seeking to understand, so I can be more helpful. It just, uh, it's very consistent, that level of uh, feedback that I receive. Yeah, well, that, that's, that is good. Because I should explain to people listening, uh, that was one of the big objectives that you all had, was to sort of try, try and break statisticians out of the, uh, the, the, the stereotype, which unfortunately uh, is, is too often true of being ultra introverted and ultra focused on just the numbers and just providing statistical techniques. And the idea was to, the, a strong focus on all, on all, in all four areas was being a, a fully active, uh, interactive member of, uh, of a team, of a clinical team developing a drug um, and getting involved in, yeah, obviously bringing statistical knowledge and expertise, but also bringing the, the, the statistical and, sci- and that sort of, um, how did you did you describe it? the sort of numeric way of thinking, if that's the right way of putting it, to decision making beyond the stats to actually enable teams? And and I think that was one of the things that you wanted to do. And and a part of that, as you say, was was in getting statisticians to engage with uh, other team members, um, and not just when it was time to talk about the p values or or a regression analysis or whatever. Yes, that was a key point to help our statisticians realize that while their main responsibility, the primary responsibility, the must have, is their statistical expertise and the 
the level of support that they bring to the project as a statistician. That's essential. However, given their training, given the way that we think as statisticians in a very logical manner, and we see the big picture, for them to realize how much more they can contribute to all aspects of drug development and decision-making. Mm. By getting engaged appropriately, by preparing appropriately, it takes good deal of investment in yourself and in educating yourself. So you're prepared to get engaged and it opens up so many doors for them to do even much better job and achieve greater accomplishments, not just for themselves, but for making good decisions for the projects to, so that we can advance the most promising therapies forward. And at the end of the day, who benefits? The patients, that includes us as well, our friends, our relatives. It's just, they have so much power within them, unrealized power. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I, I really enjoyed hearing about was 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 people, statisticians who had done that and, and shown how, how effective it could be. In fact, we even had one story, didn't we, where, and it wasn't because of the podcast, because he'd already done this, but because he demonstrated in his interactions with other team members that he was a particularly adept at sort of framing decision-making and helping, helping teams look at decision-making in an organized, structured way. He ended up actually chairing an oversight committee looking at, at approval of, of projects and proposals for projects, not just from the statistical point of view, but from all disciplines. Uh, and I think that was, that was great to share that. Yes. I, I have worked with the individual. He's a great role model within the industry. Yeah. That's why he was selected to be part of this podcast, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I I did like that one very much because I thought that was a super example of of how this kind of of uh, format can work. Because he told he told his story, and it was inspiring. It was, I know, even right. even somebody who's outside of the the discipline like me, I, I was I was very impressed. Were there any surprises along the way? Did anything surprise you in the in in what we did, and or how it's been received since it's the, the material has been put out? Uh, I wouldn't say there were any surprises. There were some interesting observations that, as I indicated, uh, maybe I indicated, so I've been in the industry for close to 30 years. The challenges remain the same. You said they're perennial, and it's just human nature. As long as people are interacting with each other, these skills will be extremely valuable. So that was not surprising, but was an interesting observation. The other thing was how consistent it is across all companies and my colleagues. Same issues, same challenges. So uh, just interesting observations there. Yeah, actually, there was a, there was a very high degree of consistency. You're right because it was different because different company approaches, and I mean there are different philosophies within pharmaceutical companies as to how they approach these things, but also just different countries because different regulatory authorities have have certain requirements, and there's just there can be a whole different culture around healthcare uh, in, in in different countries, but nonetheless. Running through it all, there's also a great deal of, of consistency, and so it was great that people could could learn from from each other. You said earlier on that you learned things yourself. What kind of things did you learn? As part of our own podcast series? Yeah, yeah. 
the uh, one of the things that was very revealing to me was while I may have more experience and more leverage in my role compared to, say, project level statistician, the tools that we discussed are just as valuable to a project level statistician as they are to a senior executive. The conditions may be different, the discussion may be different, but the same approaches and the same tools are needed uh, and how they're implemented. For instance, working at the project level, you may be working with an individual that you're trying to influence. In my current role, it may be the entire leadership of research and development that I need to influence. So the level of experience is different, the level of maturity in the room is different, but the tool and the principles are the same. And it was a good eye-opener for me. Go back to your lessons you learned in influencing skills and leadership skills 101, they're still quite relevant. Don't forget them and apply them. That was that was really uh, important. And do you think you learned anything in the process of making the podcast that have improved your skills as a communicator? Absolutely. And thanks to a particular individual by the name of Paul Gisby, <laughs> that Cyrus, when you speak, please smile <laughs> and move around. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it was good training. I've never had professional training in giving presentations. So it is just much more engaging. And actually, I enjoy it a lot more now. When I'm holding a town hall, I don't stand behind the podium. I wear a mic and I'm working the room. I'm right there with the audience. Much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. And it's not the first time that I had heard that <clears throat> even uh, my previous jobs from senior leaders they found me to be way too serious because I take my job seriously but but your interface and interactions should help facilitate the communications as opposed to pose a barrier and I think being too serious and maybe static didn't help so but coming from you, you know, you work with so many people and that's your profession. It just resonated and I took it on board. I mean, I have to say it, it wasn't just unique to you. That probably is one of the most common tips I give to people is smile when you're speaking because it really does come through into your voice. And you're not I'm not trying to, to sort of trivialize anything, but it is very easy when one is talking about a topic that uh, one believes in passionately and is, 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 is very committed to, to become a bit dour, uh, which actually can be quite difficult to then listen to the output. And just smiling, which is, is, is easy to do when you, when you, you love your subject, uh, it really does lift, uh, lift the, whole, the whole output. Um, I mean, you chose to do audio podcasts. You could have done a variety of things. You said before that uh, documenting the experience it was something you felt wouldn't work, but you could have done, you could have done video, for example, or, uh, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, having gone through this, uh, this project and then used the materials that, that come out, would you pick out any particular qualities of 
pure audio that you would say helped in, in what you were trying to achieve? Yes. Yeah, so few things. The audio compared to printed material, you add such a significant dimension. They hear your voice. They see the highs, lows, the things that you're really passionate about, things that are maybe a bit more lighthearted. So they get a lot more. I, I know that I get a lot more when I listen to someone than when I read the writing. So mm. there's a lot more information that gets transmitted. That's one. The second thing, convenience. It's much more convenient if you're doing something else or you're sitting at home, your office, or even if you're driving to listen to audio. Mm. Uh, as opposed to if it's video, there are many circumstances you have to have dedicated time to mm. sit down and watch a video or sit down and read. So just the level of convenience makes it easier. The uptake increases. I, I find it much easier for me to listen to uh, a podcast on something that's important to me than I enjoy reading a lot, but mm. that requires dedicated time. I, some of the things that people sometimes talk about with audio when they when they they're, they're trying to identify what it brings that other channels maybe don't is things like they, they talk about it. It's a more intimate medium. Uh, this idea that it puts the the speakers right inside your head is that something you experience? Absolutely. Uh, one of the favorite podcasts that I ever listened to, and I still go back to it because once in a while I need a refresher. I feel like I'm sitting there in the room and I have almost a coach to myself and she's talking to me. It's quite different than if I'm reading an article that the person has written. I do that as well, but the audio part is much more intimate. It touches you and I just absorb it much better. Right, right, right. And I want to come on to to this this question of, of maybe examples of, of impactful podcasts. And I know you've got one uh, to share. But before uh, we do that, I mean, did anybody say give you give you negative feedback and say, oh, you know, podcast not for me? You mean as a recipient? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have. I did not receive any uh, feedback that, you know what, nice work, but it would have been better if X, Y, Z. Now I have to acknowledge that some staff members may not feel comfortable. There could be a bias there that, oh, it won't be nice if after all this effort I tell this guy that, you know what, this could have been improved. Uh, I have many one-on-one -on -one discussions with the staff. Uh, and sometimes very casually I ask, is there something we could have done better? And typically the answer is, no, it was really nicely right. done. And I typically ask about, say, my other counterparts podcast, because that may give them a bit more degree of freedom to be open. Oh, you mean the other steering committee members? Yeah. Yes, because if I ask about my own, they may yeah. feel compelled to say, oh, yeah, it was great. Okay. But when I say, how did you like Chris's? How did yeah, you yeah. like Lisa's? Extremely positive. Right. Good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So um, 
would you use it again as a as a communication tool, as a leadership tool? Absolutely. Actually, what I did two weeks ago, our technology department wanted me to participate in one of their meetings that it just did not work on my calendar. Mm. What I decided to do, instead of sending a slide deck, I did put a slide deck together, but I went through one of the pieces of software that we have, and I did it almost live presentation. So, And you I recorded spoke, yourself speaking? I recorded myself. I spoke to them. The slides were on the side, and I was on the other side of the frame. It was so well received. They played it. It was about 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it was like as if I were in the room. And there's been a great deal of reach out with some questions, some comments. It just adds that touch when they hear your voice. And in yeah. this case, they saw my face too. So that was the negative part of it. But <laughs> it worked. And did you smile? Yes. But what I did, I tried to balance it, as you said, so it doesn't come across as uh, just not really understanding the seriousness of the subject. But yes, it was positive, smiling, and realistic with sense of optimism. Yes. Brilliant. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks, you, Paul. Oh, yeah. Well done. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm really, really pleased to hear that. Okay. So... um, uh, as I've, I've, I've said in previous episodes of this season, the question I'm asking everybody is, do you listen to podcasts in general? And I know that you do. Uh, and thinking back over the podcasts that you do listen to, is there an episode that you could point people to that was memorably impactful for you that people could, could go and, and listen to and, and get a, an indication of, of how pure audio can have an impact? Yes, one that uh, it's quite memorable, actually forwarded to me by my wife. It's by uh, Kelly Corrigan, who is or was an educator at Stanford University. And her job was helping fresh college students transition to college life. And uh, the episode, if I recall correctly, was called the 2022 Regroup Parenting. Mm -hmm. And it was all about her own experience as a parent, raising her children, but really focusing on what are the objectives, what mistakes she made, and what the objective should be. We're trying to raise our children to become responsible, hopefully successful, happy uh, grown-ups, adults. So why are you raising kids? Try to raise adults. I mean, I definitely connected with it because I have made many of the mistakes that she had made. But the point that was so important to me was the most critical points that she was raising I was doing everything right at work. Right. Why is it I wasn't doing it right at home with my own children? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's been really a transformation for me. My kids are grown up now. They're professionals. But still, I'm the parent. And the thing that I think has really improved our relationship is 
In my interactions with them now, I wear the same hat that I wear at work. I'm much more thoughtful. It's not my emotions speaking. It's the logic, objective-driven, calm. Our relationship is completely different. So what I did, I sent that podcast to my entire leadership team and said, guys, listen about the mistakes that I've made as a parent. The feedback was phenomenal from my leadership team. Wow. So that I highly recommend that podcast. It's Kelly Corrigan, C-O-R-R-I-G-A-N, educator at Stanford and uh, the 2022 Regroup Parenting. It's about 40 minutes long. I listen to it once in a while. Yeah, no, that's a terrific example. Thank you for sharing that. I'll put a link in the show notes so people can go and go and listen to that. All right. Thank you so much, Cyrus, for, for sharing your experiences uh, and also for your kind words about talking leaders. Um, and I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure uh, being with you. I learn a lot and I just enjoy these uh, interactions. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Cyrus for taking the time to share his experiences in making his podcast debut. And great to hear not only how the podcasts we made are being used, but also that the process of making the program has fed into the development of Cyrus's own leadership communication skills. So what do you think? Could podcasting do a similar thing for you? I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. Want help getting heard, being understood, and building trust? Let's talk. Goodbye.